0: Hello, and welcome back to the Herbert Smith Free Hills Tax Podcast. My name is Toby Austin, a partner in the Melbourne office, and joining today, then coming our staff duty partner in Sydney, Jeannie Chiman canelot Hi, Genie.
1: Hi, Toby. Great to be here.
0: And making his debut on the podcast, one of our associates in Melbourne, Dan Miles. Hi, Dan. Hi, Toby. Good to have you here. Okay, so this episode is going to be discussing all the state tax developments In May, Dan, as you said, it was a very exciting week last week. So, why don't you kick it off with a summary of the
2: Victorian state budget? Thanks, Toby. So, last Tuesday, the Victorian government handed down its budget for 2023 2024. And the big news is that a new annual property tax was announced for commercial and industrial property. I'll get to that in a second. But first, I'll just quickly cover off some payroll and land tax changes. So, in very broad terms, the payroll tax threshold will be lifted from 700000 to 900000 from the 1st of July next year, and then it will eventually go up to a million from the 1st of July 2025. A COVID debt levy has been introduced, which means that until the 1st of July 2033, employers with payrolls of $10 million or more will pay a 0.5% additional rate and a further 0.5% will be paid by employers with payrolls above $100 million. In the land tax world, so the general land tax threshold is moving from $300,000 down to $50,000. As part of the COVID debt levy also, an additional fixed charge will be imposed on certain landholders, and once again, that's until 2033. And the foreign owner surcharge has been doubled to 4%. These changes take effect from the 1st of January 2024 because that's the land tax year. Now, a bill was introduced this week with those changes. So they have passed the Legislative Assembly and they are sitting in the Legislative Council waiting to be debated. And the Legislative Council sits next on the 20th of June. So later this month, we'll find out whether those changes pass. The other amendment in that bill that was introduced this week is to do with the duties treatment of CCIVs. And CCIVs, for those who don't, is a a new type of entity called a corporate collective investment vehicle. CCIVs comprised by one or more sub-funds. And the bill says that for duties purposes, each sub-fund is taken to be a unit trust scheme. So what that means is that each subfund in a CCIV is subject to the 20% threshold for landholder duty under the Duties Act. There's been an awful lot
0: of legislation around CCIVs. We haven't yet seen one implemented in practice, as compared to just using a managed investment trust as a collective investment vehicle.
1: So a number of people had looked to use CCIVs a year on ago, but one of the risks was that rather than being treated as a corporate vehicle and therefore advantage from a Victorian stamp duty because here, it was thought that there might be an amendment brought in place to effectively treat the funds as a unit trust, which has now happened, which means the potential scam duty be benefit of using a CCI in Victoria would no longer be available. It was disappointing to see this change because Victoria is the only state that imposes this 20% threshold on a duty or acquisition in a unit trust scheme. And rather than effectively levelling the playing field for unit trusts, companies and simply making that threshold 50%. Clearly, the Victorian government wishes to maintain the 20% threshold, notwithstanding the other changes that have been announced.
2: Okay. Thank you for that, Jean. That's very insightful. Okay, Um, Um, Dan. Moving on to the annual property tax is the big ticket item in this budget. So the headlines are that it's a new property tax that would apply to commercial and industrial property, so not residential property. Calculated at 1% of the unimproved land value of that property. It would eventually replace duty and the earliest this tax could be paid is the 1st of July 2034. So there's quite a long transitional period between now and then. And how that will work is where a commercial or industrial property is sold from the 1st of July 2024, it will transition to the new annual property tax system. So the first purchaser And that's the first person who purchases a commercial or industrial property after the 1st of July 2024 will have a choice whether to pay the property's final duty amount as a lump sum or in installments over 10 years. Where they choose installments, they will pay interest. That means that if I buy a commercial or industrial property on the 1st of July 2024, pay the last amount of duty, and I still hold the property on the 1st of July 2034, I'll start paying the annual property tax from that date. There's no legislation yet for this change, so there are a few unknowns, and the government have indicated that they intend to consult on the drafting of this legislation. Some of the things that aren't clear at the moment are, how transfers within corporate groups, whether those kinds of transfers will bring property into this new system. The same can be said for change of trustees. And the other thing that's not clear is the interaction of this new system with landholder duty regime in Victoria, particularly the economic entitlement system. That's everything for me.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Sam. And Ginny, over to you. New South Wales changes in respect of holder duty.
1: Listed landholder duty has been significantly affected in New South Wales. The change is that a takeover of a listed company or trust will now be subject to 4th duty Act 5.5%. Previously, the listed landholder duty rate were 0.55%. So there was a listed landholder duty concession for a takeover of a listed company or trust. Legislation has now been introduced so that from 1 July any transaction that completes after that date will be charged at the highest debt duty rate. And interestingly, no transition or permission apply so that a transaction that may have signed or may have been announced prior to the change would also be impacted by the new law. That's a bit changed because you'll recall the history to land duty and marketable securities was effectively that previously Listed entities were outside the duty net altogether. Now they are brought in with acquisition of 90% or more, resulting in stamp duty being payable, the full rates on the entirety of the New South Wales landholding.
0: And what do you think is going to be the major impact of this?
1: Revenue predicts that this measure might raise $200 billion of additional revenue over a three year period. I wonder whether, given the significant increase in rate, it may actually die for transaction and might actually result in fewer transactions going ahead because that is a significant import. Yeah. I think that really needs to be borne in mind given the prime policy of not imposing duty on listed transactions. The, the rationale for it is the, the express rationale for it is also quite unusual because it was seen that Entities were acquiring land in listed structures in order to avoid duty, which certainly hasn't been the case for his listed entities.
0: We'll wait and see. I guess come back in three years. See how that (laughs) modelling has played out. Okay, now a couple of other changes. Northern Territory business assets transfer duty.
1: Yes, some good news there. Business assets transfer duty has been abolished in the Northern Territory with effect from 9 May, which means that essentially that duty now only exists in Western Australia and Queensland, this was the duty that was initially slated for abolition on the introduction of GST. So Queensland and WA are the remaining states to impose duty on goodwill, intellectual property rights and certain other non-land business assets. Hopefully, this is a good sign of things to come with Western Australia and Queensland to follow at some point in the future. Yes,
0: WA is in Massive surplus, I'm sure, they can afford to align with the other states.
1: That's a good point, Toby, because I think when WA said that they were not abolishing this duty yet, they did indicate that they would, when budget circumstances allow, and they certainly do allow
0: that now. wonder whether they'll be reminded of that commitment. Okay, other good news, actually in the bill to rent changes.
1: Yes, the bill to rent concessions were announced as part of last year's Western Australian budget, but they have now been introduced to Parliament, which is great news. That brings WA into line with other states that also have bill-to-rent concessions, which are New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria and South Australia, which really does show a number of state governments'
0: commitment in the sector. Great. Been a busy month as far as cases go, focused on stamp duty matters. First one, the Commissioner of State Revenue versus Shell Energy Operation Number Two. Yes.
1: That's a very interesting decision. And I think, Toby, you're going to do a more detailed podcast on this one. But at a high level, this one overturned the Meridian decision, which was a very interesting decision on statutory severance and victors and chattel type issues, which keep us tax practitioners very excited about. In that case, the primary judge had held that the transfer of ownership of power stations that had legally been severed from land on which they were situated by ministerial orders was not a transfer of fixtures or goods. Rather, there was the third category of property and effectively the New South Wales Court of Appeal has confirmed that although statutorily severed, the items were good. So Definitely a lot to unpack there and there's been in recent years a number of interesting stamp duty and other cases in relation to these categories of assets. And the one one comment, I guess, from a stamp duty perspective is the New South Wales and a number of other state duties legislation has obviously been amended so that the issue is no longer a common law fixture for chattels test broad definition of landholding for land landholder duty purposes it usually extends to items that are physically fixed to land, no matter their legal characterisation. But it's certainly an interesting decision on which we can go more in depth on next time.
0: Indeed. And there is a detailed tax note on that on our HZ Tax Notes website, which I'll link to in the show notes. Okay. And Ginny, Leppington Pastoral Company, development agreement case. Run us through it.
1: Yeah, thanks, Toby. I thought this one was worth mentioning. Just really briefly, because it was an interesting decision that illustrates how important it is to get drafting right in transaction documents. Development agreements are obviously very bespoke to a number of transactions, and Revenue will be interested to see these because they're largely land-related transactions. This case turned on the drafting of a development agreement, which Ultimately, the taxpayer was successful in arguing, didn't give rise to a declaration of trust. But due to the particular drafting of the development agreement, revenue did take issue with it. And I think it's just a really timely reminder that although stamp duty is largely a transaction tax these days and not a documentation tax, the drafting of transaction documents can be really critical to how a transaction is characterised. And given the broad definition of declaration of trust and the new acknowledgement of trust duty provisions. It's really important to get transaction documents drafted properly because any drafting that's unclear in terms of what the parties are trying to achieve or any problematic wording can result in, if not double duty, then at least potential dispute, which is obviously costly and time consuming for parties.
0: Yes, very important advice there, Ginny. Okay, and finally, Dan
2: walks through the vicinity decision. Thanks, Toby. Just a brief note on this one, which is not a substantive duty decision, but more about procedure. But it's an interesting decision on the assessment objection determination appeal process under the Victorian Administration Act for state taxes. And the question was whether taxpayers have the right under the Administration Act to impugn or interrogate the Victorian Commissioner's state of mind at the time that the Commissioner makes an assessment as opposed to the time that the commissioner makes an objection determination? And the answer in the case was no. But as I said, the underlying dispute hasn't been determined yet. So I'm sure there's more to come on this one.
0: Yes, and we'll be doing a more detailed podcast with my fellow partners Nick Haggart and Hugh Painter in due course. So that about wraps it up for state tax developments in the month of May. Always mises me that back in 2000 when the introduction of the GST, everyone's, well, we're trying to reform and get rid of stamp duty. And here we are 23 years later with more complex developments. Indeed. And so on that note, thanks, Ginny. Thanks, Toby. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Toby. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.